Hi, my name is Anna and welcome to my podcast Sustainability Explored. Today is Thursday, which means a new episode is released. This week, my focus was dragged by climate reporting. Two weeks ago, I have already covered sustainability reporting and specifically emphasized on the efforts companies and corporations are making um, towards greening their operations and reporting upon their efforts. Uh, but climate reporting stayed a big black box for me for, for a long while because in my work uh, that was not something I was directly involved in until very recently. And so the result of um, the result that we are all hearing today, that, namely this episode, um, is due to the question that my colleague asked me two weeks ago as for, uh, as for climate reporting for the organization uh, I am collaborating with. So it has been a very interesting research that I performed, a very interesting journey that I lived. Uh, I must say, for some of you, it might come as a surprise, some already know, uh, but these uh, topics that I cover, that I discover, uh, also do exist in written form. I write um, blogs on Medium platform. Uh, this week, uh, the article came out a little bit later than it was planned, but this is because the research was so intensive and extensive and took so much time uh, and it was so important for me personally to dig deep and wide into this uh, subject, to understand it very well myself in order to describe it to my audience and to answer the question of my colleague. Uh, that yes, it took uh, a little bit more time. Um, the article is available on Medium under my... Um, blog name, um, namely, Ignize Me. Uh, the good news is that these efforts paid off already. Uh, yesterday I received a notification that Medium, so the blog platform called Medium, Medium curators have selected my article to promote in the section of uh, environment on their website and distributed in, in their emails. So everyone in the big network globally, uh, huge network uh, of medium readers and writers uh, all over the world was able to read the article and I have already received a very interesting, substantial uh, feedback on the article and I'm extremely glad uh, to share it uh, orally today. One more important thing to mention before I start is that Written articles for sure serve as a basis for, uh, for the podcast, but in the podcast, um, let's say, I have a little bit more opportunities to expand the topics, uh, to, to extend, expand, to share more, um, to, to come up with the real-life examples that written word not always allows me to do. So... Surely there is a difference between what I write. Um, I mean, it's not, it's not 
identical, let's say, text and the podcast. So uh, whether you find it more um, appropriate or easier or comfortable, you are just more comfortable with reading the articles, I invite you to, to my medium um, space, recognize me. Uh, or if you are a listener or if you are uh, listening to the podcasts while you are commuting to work, while you're exercising in the gym or whatever else activity you might be doing, then the podcast is for you. And yes, I do, I do speak. I love speaking and I will speak a lot today uh, and will give out a lot of relevant information. So let's get it started. I call this episode Climate Reporting Lost in the Right Direction because I was extremely confused in the beginning when I just started digging out the information and connecting the dots and uh, combining, uh, making up this puzzle. Uh, the title I came up at the very end uh, so now sounds to me even even more relevant than ever before. So yes, it looks like we are all, with the climate report, and we're all lost in the right direction. So yeah, let's start. Uh, I don't think it's relevant and it's ever, it's good to go uh, into climate, explaining uh, where the topic came from, why is it so urgent, why is it so... Um, up to date, why it concerns everyone. I'm sure if you are listening to this podcast, and this is, by the way, the podcast number eight, I cannot believe it's two months already since I've started. If you are on this podcast, you surely know at least something about environment. You have heard about climate change. Now uh, it is even more... Uh, relevant to say climate risks. So I will not explain deeply the, um, the chemical processes, the biology, the anatomy of climate change. Um, but to, to, to have a, a very brief overview, it's an acute increase of carbon dioxide and other greenhouse gases content in the atmosphere over the past 100, 150 years. Um, that is the fundamental challenge of our time. There is no doubt anymore that there is no um, debate around this topic. Uh, scientists are convinced uh, we can see it. Uh, ordinary, I mean, ordinary citizens, um, residents of this planet uh, do see a big change uh, um, in. Uh, patterns, in weather patterns, in climate patterns all over the globe. Uh, it's important that it's a crucial, I would say, to mention that climate does not equal weather. So if in the middle of, uh, let's say, I don't know, uh, May, it rains while in your area, it's supposed to be already extremely warm and hot, and one day it rains. Uh, you don't run around as crazy, screaming, uh, it's raining, it's cold today, what are you telling me about your climate change? No, climate does not equal weather. 
uh, weather does not equal environment and even climate does not equal uh, environment as such. So climate is, is some, and climate change is something uh, really connected to greenhouse gases content in the atmosphere. Um, unfortunately, we did not, we, I mean the humanity, did not uh, measure, did not collect inform scientific information for super long time. Uh, well, the, the data we operate with is just, let's say, uh, compared to the, um, to the, cosmic to the cosmic um, to the humongous age the earth has uh, the time we are collecting the data is ridiculously small so uh, like what 100 150 200 years um, yeah but anyway the problems humanity faces today do not stand even remotely close to the one of the greenhouse gases of the that are used to be count in the equivalence of CO2. So this problem is of course much more difficult for us to notice since gas cannot be touched or seen. So this is why I think uh, climate has been climate change has been denied for a long while. The main reason for the critical growth of greenhouse gases is the way human life, culture, and our modern economy are organized. Consumption and overconsumption of resources and products and services are the cause of the unthinkable release of carbon from the bowels of the earth into the atmosphere. Uh, I would like to say, you know, something like climate change is one of the fundamental challenges of our times, but in fact, it is the fundamental challenge of today. Why is it so urgent? Why is it so um, exact and even scary? Well, honestly, because everything else becomes ridiculously irrelevant if there is no place and conditions for us humans to do whatever we were doing before to do our business it doesn't matter how much money we make it doesn't matter uh, where we travel it doesn't matter how um, we move the economy and what happens overall if there is no planet if there is no home if there is no conditions for us to be doing what what we are doing. Uh, people all over the world already feel what is called climate despair. Suffering from mental illnesses and grieving about their future. I recently read a very interesting article on WISE, um, WISE platform. So people give up on, uh, on their dreams. They don't want to start a family. They don't want to have kids. Um, they were dreaming, let's say, about moving somewhere, and as they learn uh, that these places will most probably disappear very soon, uh, they give up on everything. The article, if you are curious, is called uh, Climate Despair is Making People Give Up on Life uh, by Mike Pearl. It's super painful to be a human uh, being right now at this point in history.
the article says at the very beginning. So at this point, uh, at the point of climate despair, a very pessimistic point of time, what must we do? What shall we do? Those, you know that the podcast, uh, if you have listened to, my, to some of my previous episodes, you know that it is uh, very much focused on the efforts big players can make. So I am, I am a strong believer that uh, corporations, uh, governments, do have biggest impact, much bigger impact than households or individuals. However, uh, the example of Greta um, Thunberg raises raises a lot of um, how shall I even put it? Uh, she calls for a lot of respect, and uh, sometimes we can see that the actions and efforts of one individual call a lot of actions around the globe. But the point I'm trying to make is that the podcast, and here I mostly focus on the efforts of, on the impacts uh, and influence of big players of the market. So those whose hands concern, concentrate most impact and power, those whose daily financial decisions make a change and really matter, need to effectively act together for the climate. And I mean corporations, business influencers, and governments. Uh, back in 2018, uh, so last year in October, the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change released a special report on the impacts of global warming, uh, global warming of uh, 1.5 um, Celsius degree degree Celsius and uh, and the emission pathways to achieve this goal. The results of the report are expected to put more pressure on policymakers across jurisdictions for timely changes to carbon and energy policies, and greater needs to investors to assess the impact on their investment portfolios. Thus, there is uh, increased expectation. Um, from businesses to making better disclosures on their resilience uh, to climate transition risks. Uh, businesses do indeed join various disclosure initiatives, and not only, uh, while preparing for, for the article, for writing the article, for the episode, uh, I also went uh, and looked for uh, initiatives, big corporations, CEOs join, and I found out that uh, following a meeting at the World Economic Forum in Davos in 2015, 35 CEOs from various economic sectors wrote an open letter describing how the group of them commits to climate action. Uh, this group is called Climate CEOs, um, and, and the open letter is, on, uh, is directed to world leaders, uh, urging them to concentrate um, their efforts uh, battling, fighting uh, against um, climate change or for climate action. So as of December 2018, end of last year, the list of signatories comprised already 51 persons. Uh, the CEO Climate Leaders Initiative 
aims to communicate with common messaging that focuses on solutions and economic opportunities. Uh, they also want to build a momentum for an ambitious goal climate change deal by demonstrating CEO leadership on climate change and catalyze greater and broader private sector commitments and actions on climate change. Um, Emily Farnworth, the head of climate change at the World Economic Forum, who works closely with this uh, alliance of CEO climate leaders, notes that, uh, quote, there are very few businesses that will invest into something that isn't going to help support their profitability. As such, CEO climate leaders focus on the task of achieving net zero carbon emissions by 2050 while minimizing economic disruption. So this is just one of the initiatives um, in the global fight for climate change. Um, on top of everything, of course, businesses do indeed join various disclosure initiatives. How they disclose information on their financial information, how they do their business, how they operate uh, on the market. On top of it, as I have already uh, covered in the episode number six, um, they report on their sustainability practices. And now we also learn that climate and carbon information is also included sometimes. But does it really help the climate or does the pursuit of beautifully aligned data rather distract companies from taking real actions? Climate-related data disclosure standards are the focal theme of this week's podcast. The questions I asked myself and the questions I want to answer with this episode are the following. How not to get confused in the variety of different frameworks and standards and whether there is any chance they unite one day? What are the pros and cons of each type of reporting? And I will proceed uh, to each and every one of them in short, uh, in a short while. Uh, what do stakeholders and especially investors expect from companies regarding climate reporting? And finally, where a company should start if it reports for the first time. There is a myriad of reporting frameworks. Uh, there is CDP, a former climate disclosure project, uh, the Climate Disclosure Standards Board, or C uh, CDSB. I, I think I, with this episode I will not go with um, acronyms. I will always name them by their complete name. Uh, the Financial Accounting Standards Board, the Global Reporting Initiative, the International Accounting Standards Board, the International Organization for Standardization, ESO, the Sustainability Accounting Board, uh, Accounting Standards Board, Whew, uh, probably I named um, the majority of them. Some focus primarily on investors and information that is financially material, or as you might remember, material means matter um, to the stakeholders. So information that is financially material to performance. Others have multiple um, 
parts of it, including employees, investors and the public, and have broader goals and objectives that are not necessarily tied to financial materiality. Not surprisingly, investors feel overwhelmed, just as I did, uh, by the amount of information available. They are confused about how to use it and are uncertain about whether the initiatives overlap or conflict. Some of them, namely the uh, International um, Organization for Standardization, uh, Sustainability Accounting Standards Board, and Global Reporting Initiative were covered in the previous episode on sustainability, no, the episode number six, previously on this podcast. But to just go back and refresh our memory, a couple of words on previously covered frameworks. Um, the Sustainability Accounting Standards Board, or SASB, based in San Francisco, uh, this framework sets industry-based standards for, for the disclosure of financially material uh, environmental, social and governance information to investors. And the standards cover environmental, human capital and social issues, business model and innovation, uh, leadership and governance. These major themes help investors look at companies holistically and understand important issues they face. Um, this framework, SASB, uh, or Sustainability Accounting Standards Board, uh, has standards for 77 industries. Just imagine, each standard has on average five disclosure topics, that are likely to influence financial performance in a particular industry, as well as 13 metrics, so 77 industries, five disclosure topics, 13 metrics on a company's performance in, in managing that topic. Um, for instance, metrics include such questions as what is the average drug price increase over the past year across your entire company, or what is the single largest price increase that you have had across your entire portfolio over the last year. Um, coming back to the GRI, the Global Reporting Initiative, uh, the one that I mentioned previously that was my favorite one and the one that I have most experience with. This is the Amsterdam-based um, initiative framework that has been developing sustainability reporting standards for over 20 years. These standards represent global best practice for reporting on environmental, social and governance issues. Uh, GRI also offers tools and services to guide and equip report uh, preparers. Um, I remember of the initiative, um, uh, let me think of the European Union, Climate Kick, Climate Kick, uh, Climate Tire or Hyphen, um, three capital letters, K I C. Uh, they have, um, well, a special platform online where they also offer, apart from news in the industry and um, sharing the white papers, they also offer a tool. Uh, like a sort of a course, course course platform. And as far as I remember, at least last year, they also offered a course uh, that was not 
extremely expensive, it was affordable, the course on uh, GRI reporting. So you might want, if you're interested, you might want checking that out. So GRI offers tools and services to guide and equip report preparers, uh, just like they do with the partnership um, uh, with the, this Climate Geek. Uh, unlike the previously mentioned CSASB uh, framework, GRI has broad goals and objectives that are not necessarily tied to financial materiality. This, its constituents include diverse companies and organizations across businesses, consultancies, civil society, academia, and labor, public, and even intergovernmental agencies. This is in short. Everybody, I hope, is aware about the ISO, the International Organization on Standardization, that offers a variety of standards uh, for different industries. Again, the 14,000 on uh, environmental management, 9,000 on quality, uh, 45,000 uh, on um, occupational health and safety, and so on and so forth. But this week, uh, I'm inviting you to discover four major climate reporting frameworks. Three of them are for companies and one for um, cities and local governments. So let's finally begin what we gathered together for. The first one, uh, I rank it the first one, but it doesn't matter, it's the best. Uh, I still didn't figure out uh, which one is the best. Of course, it depends on the, um, on the needs, on the investors, and so on and so forth. But anyway, the first one is CDP, formerly Carbon Disclosure Project. As a non-governmental organization based in the UK, CDP helps companies and cities to disclose the corporate environmental impact since 2002. Uh, at that time, CDP had just 35 investors signing its request for climate information and uh, 245 companies responded. Today, nearly a fifth of global greenhouse gas emissions are reported through CDP. Its goal is to make environmental reporting and risk management a business norm, drive disclosure, inside and action towards sustainable economy. Headquartered in London, CDP focuses on this impact uh, of the environment on companies and vice versa. This is important um, to remember for, for later. So with CDP, we're talking about how environment influences companies and how companies influence the environment. This focus is important because of if companies' activities are having um, a detrimental impact on the environment, they will also have a tangible impact on productivity, GDP, and society in general. Responding to demand for information from institutional investors with assets of 87 trillion US dollars, CDP leverages investor and buyer power to motivate companies and governments to disclose and manage their environmental impacts. Today, over 6,300 uh, 6, companies with some 55% oh, of global market capitalization disclosed environmental data via CDP in 2017. Uh, though CDP's supply chain program, uh, through, through this supply chain program of CDP, 
nearly a hundred of the world's largest companies with the three US billion, uh, US, three trillion US dollars in purchasing power collected data from more than almost 5,000 of their suppliers. CDP provides data on companies' performance to its uh, investors' signatories that today are slightly more than uh, 650, so 650 investors. Um, CDP invites companies, cities, states, and even regions to respond to questionnaires on the disclosure platform. The questionnaires vary by sector and are designed around the themes of climate change, water security, and deforestation. They delve into companies' governance on those particular issues, how the issues are, how these issues are integrated into corporate strategy, and whether the companies do scenario analysis. The questionnaires also cover risk management, targets, and performance metrics. Uh, then they are assessed and scored based on four levels, namely, have they answered all the questions? Are they aware of the issues? Uh, are they managing it? Are they showing leadership to improve the resilience of the company and um, to reduce the impact they have on the environment? So four main questions uh, by which the question, the field by companies' questioners are assessed and rank, ranked. CDP provides the score as feedback to the companies that submitted questionnaires. Investors, members, and signatories can access the data through Bloomberg terminals, Google Finance, and stock indexes. In addition, the data are often used by ratings, agencies, and consultants who do environmental social government governance assessments for investment, investment portfolios. Um, yeah, even though full former name of CDP is, was, used to be, Carbon Disclosure Project, uh, and it contains carbon in its name, which can mislead you into thinking that CDP is only about climate change factors. In reality, CDP channels information and progress through four individual programs, climate change, water, supply chain, and forests. Uh, its climate change program, which is the focus of today's episode, aims to reduce companies' greenhouse gas emissions and mitigate climate change risks, obviously. CDP asks disclosing parties to fill in the questionnaire aligned with the requirements of the Task Force on Climate-Related Financial Disclosure. Uh, the abbreviation is TCFD. Uh, I might use it later on in this episode. Um, CDP also recognizes companies with high-quality disclosure in its annual scoring process by listing them in the A-list, so-called A-list. Uh, scores are calculated according to a standardized uh, methodology that measures whether and how well a company responds to each question. A company goes through four main steps, starting with disclosure of their current position, moving to awareness, which looks at whether a company is conscious of its environmental impact, to management, and finally, to leadership. A high CDP score is usually indicative of a company's high environmental awareness 
advanced, advanced sustainability governance and leadership to address climate change. Some of the corporate participants include Apple Incorporated, Siemens, PepsiCo, Hewlett-Packard, Dell, Tesco, Procter & Gamble, and Unilever. In 2018, over six Southend companies reported to CDP's questionnaire measuring their climate-related risks and opportunities, as well as the associated financial implications. The results of uh, blended data from all the disclosures uh, can be found on their official website. The second one in my chart is the aforementioned Task Force on Climate-Related Financial Disclosures, or TFCD, Task Force on Climate Disclosures. In 2015, at the request of the G20 finance ministers and central bank governance, governors, the Financial Stability Board and its chair, uh, Mark Carney, established the industry-led Task Force on Climate-Related Financial Disclosures. Unlike other reporting developments, TCFD isn't about the company's impact on the environment. It's about the environment's impact on, on the company. So by, vice versa, what, how environment influences the company's activity. These disclosures are targeted at mainstream investors and are intended to help them assess whether climate risk is appropriately, appropriately priced into their valuation of the company. The recommendations of the Financial Stability Board Task Force on Climate-Related Financial Disclosures, which focus on how companies should report climate-related governance, strategy, and risk management, have uh, climate risk, have thirst uh, climate risks uh, into the minds of investors worldwide. A total of 785 organizations responsible for assets of um, 118 trillion uh, US dollars are signed up as supporters of uh, this particular framework, Task uh, Force on Climate uh, Financial Disclosures, which, to quote their chairman, uh, Michael Bloomberg, believes uh, that in, in the power of transparency to spur action on climate change through market forces. The task force developed voluntarily, uh, voluntary, sorry, although certain elements have been legislated in France already, but so far uh, globally they are voluntary, consistent climate-related financial disclosures intended for all organizations from both financial and non-financial sectors. The disclosures are useful uh, to investors, lenders, and insurance underwriters, or those who assess risks, uh, in understanding material risks. The task force is global. Its members were selected by the Financial Stability Board and come from various organizations, including large banks, insurance companies, asset managers, pension funds, large non-financial companies, accounting and consulting firms, and credit rating agencies. The Task Force uh, on Climate Disclosure recommendations are structured around four uh, main thematic areas that represent core elements of how companies operate. 
The four overarching recommendations are supported by 11 recommended um, disclosures that build on that um, framework uh, with information that will help investors and others understand how reporting companies assess climate-related risks and opportunities. Um, task force on financial disclosure, task force on climate-related disclosures is also used as an opportunity to demonstrate competitive advantage by explaining how a company is proactively pursuing the opportunities of a transition to a low-carbon economy and capturing market shares through a first-mover advantage. The most recent findings of the, uh, this task force can, of course, be found on their uh, latest report on their official website. And we are moving on to the third uh, framework, Climate Disclosure Standards Board. So the third one in our ranking is Climate Disclosure Standards Board, or for short, but not for more convenience, CDSB is an international consortium of business and environmental NGOs that is committed to advancing and aligning the global mainstream uh, corporate reporting model to equate natural capital with financial capital. This happens by offering companies a framework for voluntary reporting environmental information with the same rigor as their financial information. Climate disclosure uh, Standards Board has its own climate change reporting framework, of course. In turn, it helps companies, um, it helps them to provide investors with decision useful environmental information via the mainstream corporate report enhancing the efficient allocation of capital. Regulators also benefit from compliance rating materials, CDP. The first in the ranking that I have already mentioned today, the formerly um, known as Carbon Disclosure Project, provides the Secretariat for uh, Climate Disclosure Standards Board. This is just to emphasize one more how interconnected this industry is, how it all is um, connected in the, in, in the sphere of climate reporting, and, and not only, of course. Uh, the CDSB, or Climate Disclosure Standards Board, uh, are London-based and they avoid duplicating their organization's efforts and instead uh, try to bring together existing work in a way that makes sense for companies. The CDSB does not ask companies to complete and submit a separate questionnaire like it is the case with CDP, nor does it collect information in its own database. Instead, it provides a framework for identifying what is material or matters and thus needs to be included in the annual report. Uh, it helps companies interpret international and national reporting standards as well as climate change and natural capital reporting standards and incorporate this information with financial information. We believe that the financial community trusts the annual report because it's a document that requires a higher level of sign-off, says Michael Zimony, Policy and Internal Affairs Manager at, at the CDSB. 
In addition, climate change can have an impact on the financial and governance information within the annual report. The CDSB explains how international financial reporting standards can be used to report on climate change. It brings the relevant aspects of these standards together with established climate change accounting methodologies into a framework, and then it complements them with a set of principles. And we are moving on to the last, but not the least, framework on uh, climate reporting, number four, after a very short pause. The fourth and the last for today a framework for climate reporting is the one of Global Covenant of Mayors for Climate and Energy. Not just companies report on their climate achievements, cities and local governments are not lagging behind. The Global Covenant of Mayors for Climate and Energy is the world's largest, largest alliance of cities and local governments with the shared long-term vision of promoting and supporting voluntary action to combat climate change and move to a low-emission, climate-resilient future. This coalition gathers almost 10,000 uh, cities all over, um, all over the globe, of all sizes across six continents, and more than uh, 120 countries representing almost 10% of the world's population. Through the Global Covenant of Mayors, cities and local governments are voluntarily committing to fight climate change, mirroring the commitments their national governments have set to ensure the goals of the Paris Agreements are met. This is a um, commitment not only to take bold local action, but also to work side by side with peers around the world to share innovative solutions that enable mayors to do more and to do it faster. Uh, the Global Covenant of Mayors, as well, has its own framework for climate reporting that is expected to help create more consistent and cross-comparable data, um, and it focuses on the following topics. So, uh, greenhouse gas emissions inventory, target setting, risk and vulnerability assessment, and climate action and energy access planning. The Covenant's framework is meant to, to make it easier to finance city-level climate projects, which sometimes can be snared in national approval processes or derailed by unfavorable risk assessments when there is little data available on comparable efforts. If all global covenant cities commit to and achieve targets similar to those already established, by 2050 the cumulative emissions avoided could reach more than 60, uh, 46 billion tons of carbon dioxide equivalent, according to the analysis of, of the World Resource Institute. Roughly equal to the entire world's emission, emissions in 2010. Um, what else I can tell you about the Global Covenant of Mayors? Uh, they have their own uh, initiative, they, they have their own framework, they also um, do some efforts in uh, climate reporting, but the question remains the same. Cities, governments or companies, 
how do we make sure, how do they make sure they're using the correct, acceptable by share, stakeholders, format, reporting framework, and so on. No wonder everyone is lost and confused, and what's worse, distracted from delivering the improvements when reports and frameworks differ greatly uh, by scope, form, depth of requested data, etc. This is why the Better Alignment so-called project was created in late 2018 to open a dialogue between CDP, the Climate Disclosure Standards Board, uh, the Financial Accounting Standards Board, the Global Reporting Initiative, the International Accounting Standard Board, the International Organization for Standardization, and the Sustainability Accounting Standards Board. All this is currently convened by the International Integrated Reporting Council. The, the aim of this two-year project is to make it easier for companies to prepare effective and coherent disclosures that meet the information needs of capital markets and society. The mission of the Better Alignment Project is to respond to market calls for consistency and comparability between corporate reporting frameworks, standards, and related requirements. Investors, customers, employees, and other stakeholders all have a unique perspective and they need material information presented to them with their own context. The integrated reportings, um, reporting aligns um, various standards and frameworks under one umbrella by mapping the members or member organizations output to an overall framework. The recommendations of the task force on climate-related financial disclosures and its focus on mainstreaming climate risk planning and reporting in financial disclosures seem to be a driver behind this better alignment project. Uh, it also considers how frameworks such as the International Reporting Consortium and the Climate Disclosure Standards Board can be used to promote further integration between non-financial as well as financial reporting. The useful tool to understand the links between the reporting, all these reporting initiatives that I have mentioned um, is called Corporate Reporting Dialogue. Just put it on Google or any other search engine and you find um, information available on like it, it's sort of a um, comparison a table of comparison between and, and links between all these uh, reporting initiatives it was created in 2016 with a mission to respond uh, to respond to market calls for consistency related requirements all that between corporate reporting frameworks and standards um, so how are we doing so far? What has been achieved? Whether uh, this variety of choice of climate reporting frameworks was useful for the companies? And most of all, I'm interested into, in the question of whether it was useful to the climate itself. The increasing level of shareholder activism is driving companies operating in high-risk sectors to pay closer attention to their disclosures 
and familiarize themselves with the recommendations of this globally recognized task force on task force on climate related disclosures. Um, one of the big four auditors, uh, namely Ernst and Young, has their own global climate risk disclosure barometer report. And according to this report, uh, which draws on disclosures from uh, of over 500 companies during the 2017-2018 reporting period, according to this uh, disclosure barometer report, across 11 highly impacted sectors in 18 countries, disclosures were relatively poor, with the average score being 31%, which means the companies do not answer all the questions uh, they are asked in the questionnaires. Um, they do not perform well in, in uh, disclosing information um, qualitatively. Almost all sectors of economy face major disruption from climate transition and climate impacts over the coming years. So the majority of companies uh, said, yes, uh, we are, and we will be suffering from climate change, and our, our activities will, do suffer, will suffer as well. Uh, yet a majority of companies in key economies are still not engaging seriously with these risks, uh, transition risks of climate, or positioning themselves to take advantage of potential opportunities. Across, across four elements uh, covered by the task force um, um, on climate disclosures, um, governance, strategy, risk management, and metrics and targets, disclosures related to strategy and risk management were the least developed. No doubt on this discovery, because uh, of course strategy and risk management require a detailed analysis on how climate change will impact a business and how the business is responding. The most common disclosures so far identified were related to the monitoring and management of an entity's own emissions. Uh, many companies also identified transition risks that either directly impact their sector or the supply chains they rely upon. Scenario analysis was mentioned in the disclosures of many of the larger global entities. Several organizations also disclosed their support for a, a two degree Celsius future, but did not state how their business aligned um, with such an economy. So now what? Now that we know all this information, what are the next steps? What is, it, what is happening now? In short, the earlier companies embark on the journey, the better. Assessing climate-related risks and opportunities is surely complex and requires detailed analysis, but the effort pays off. Disclosures not only communicate the progress to stakeholders, but importantly, it helps the companies themselves identify gaps in their operations and provide, um, provide them with the new inputs into business strategy and planning, enhancing capacity and operations. It may require several years for an organization to be in position to generate valuable information for investors and shareholders to keep them make inform, to, to keep them making informed decisions to help them take uh, these steps. 
Most important in this journey towards sound climate reporting is perhaps deprioritizing the reporting per se, but focusing instead on actually delivering the improvements that drive change. Companies that seek to understand their climate risks exposure can ask themselves questions like, what are the biggest emission sources in, in my value chain? What are the incentives, instruments, or indicators that help me align my strategy with the two degree Celsius roadmap? What are my stakeholders' expectations in terms of climate footprint and carbon performance? What type of climate risks is my business exposed to in the long run? How will my products and services be affected by carbon policies and targets? And what are the right, right anticipation and adaptation strategies? How, how can I turn this all into a competitive advantage? Are some of my products or activities at risk regarding the two degree Celsius roadmap? What is the potential exposure to new regulations? What assets are at risk? For example, supply chain products or activities and in which geographies and so on and so forth. And um, yeah, in order not to lag behind, but be up to date to face the future and face today, climate reporting is of course a needed practice. Uh, so far, as I have mentioned earlier, it is voluntary, but if we continue to move at the same pace uh, with our economies, with the um, heating, with the global warming, with the degrees uh, rising, with the icebergs melting, we will have to find better solutions than just reporting on climate change. I thank you for being with me today, tonight. It's been a big pleasure for me to share this information with you, to clarify this uh, issue of climate reporting for myself. I hope I did answer uh, my colleague's question on uh, CDP questionnaire. And I thank him for challenging me to, to discover this topic more and more. As always, um, as always with this research, with the articles and with the podcast episodes, um, we are just scratching the surface at the moment. Um, as soon as I arrive to certain conclusions, I almost instantly understand how much more information is there, how much more is there to discover, to expand, to go deeper and wider, uh, to better, to better face uh, the sustainability and help and help the environment and corporations to act uh, in the environmentally sound, in the environmentally friendly and sustainable manner. So thank you once again. It's been a big pleasure and uh, you will hear me in a week. Till next Thursday. Goodbye. Mm -hmm.